Hello, welcome to Hair Dark Materials. I'm Faye. Hi. And I'm Rachel. Hello. This is a podcast where we're reading through and discussing Philip Pullman's His Dark Materials novels a chapter at a time, spoiler free. So come and join us every other week as we talk about Lyra and Pan's adventures. In this episode, we're talking about chapter one, the decanter of Tokay. Tokay? Tokay? Tokay. We're going to talk about pronunciation in a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so before we get into the podcast... We just kind of want to give you a bit of a warning. We're new to the audio recording side of things. We've bought a mic. We've done all the things. But I also live in a very noisy flat in London. So you might hear some outside noise. And also you might hear us banging on the table. Something like that. Turning pages. Lots of turning pages. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, if you're into ASMR, you might enjoy the turning pages. But I'm just going to give you a heads up anyway. I think we should start with Rach. Tell me. How did you get into the books? I probably read the books for the first time when I was like 13, 14. I distinctly remember having read at least the first book when they were doing the, they had like an open casting call for the Golden Compass film. Do not speak of the Golden Compass film. (laughs) Let's don't even go there. But I remember begging my mum to like take me to London to this like open casting call because I was like I'm the right age I'm scrappy I could be Lyra um so I was clearly that age when I read them apparently um and like I imagine I probably got into them because they'd been bought for my sister as a present and she's about four years older than me so like I just basically read like hoovered up anything that she like read and enjoyed like that's kind of how I read the Harry Potter books as a kid and that's how like I've gotten into a lot of stuff and like I imagine it's my parents will have bought it for my sister at some point like there's no notation in the front of my very old very scrappy book to say like that it was a gift but I suspect it was we did put a picture of those books on Instagram so the difference between Rachel's copy and my brand new copy and there is a lot Rachel's has had a lot of love (laughs) over the years it's been read by many people including me yeah (laughs) yeah you had to get your own goddamn copy (laughs) yeah finally yeah finally um so did you read them all as they were coming out i think i was a few years after though i'm going to check the publishing dates because i don't even know when the first book came out um i think it was a little bit after they'd come out because i don't remember ever having to like wait for the next book in the same way that like we did for like the harry potter books in our like tiny little village um yeah it's like Oh, 1996. Yeah, I was like three years old when this first came out. I definitely did not have to wait for the book. Not that advanced. <laughs> but yeah, I definitely remember like probably reading them at the right time to be like growing up as a similar age to Lyra. Like, because without giving spoilers, like it's going to get quite deep and quite intense. And like, so I think the books definitely grow with the readers. If you were to start reading it, I think Lyra is actually like 10 or 11, which is probably too young for these books. But like, yeah, you were reading it around a similar age as her, like, I think you'd start to get like deep thinking by the time you're on the third book, which is about right. <laughs> I think <Fair>. I was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then like, yeah, every few years since reading them, I've kind of come back to it as like a little comfort reading thing. Like if I can't be bothered to read anything new or I just want to like dip back into something familiar, I've either reread the books or listened to the audiobooks because there's there's a really good audiobook adaptation. That's like, Who reads it? It's 
got like a whole cast so it almost sounds like a radio play kind of vibe like there's a narrator and then there's just like loads of different people voicing voicing the different characters uh, but it's still very much an audiobook it's just it comes off like a radio play and then the music's really nice it sounds it's, it's highly recommend if you don't have the energy to read the books right now and you have like a lot of time on your hands where you can listen to podcasts or audiobooks like the audiobooks are worth it they're really good cool but yeah and then yeah I bullied you into listening yeah. to it last year <laughs> so tell me about your first like read through and like yeah. what you thought because like you've come to it from a very different place yeah I it completely passed me by when I was a kid I think I was so obsessed with Harry Potter that anything else I just didn't read like when I was super young I'd read like Jacqueline Wilson and that kind of stuff um and then my dad bought me the first Harry Potter book and for maybe like mm, seven eight years of my life that's all I would read just over and over again the Harry Potter books and people would try and get me into different books and I was like "Mm, no (laughs) <laughs> I was going to read my Harry Potter books. Um, Doesn't have a wizard in it. I uh, don't care. Exactly. <laughs> I'm not into it. Um, so, yeah, it completely passed me by. Never, like, I'd kind of heard of it, like, I, when you told me about it, it rang a bell, but I didn't know, like, any of the character names at all. I just knew, obviously, I knew Philip Pullman, and I knew the title of Northern Lights, but I didn't know any of the other titles of the books. And I knew that that Golden Compass film had come out because I remember it coming out when I was a kid. And I remember thinking, mm, I don't think I'm in, be into that. I'm not bothered about it. So I didn't <laughs> see it, which is maybe a good thing. It's a very good thing. Yeah. That film was... There's conversations to be had about that film. <laughs> maybe we could... It's one of my favourite rants is just how much that film budgeted my favourite book. <laughs> maybe we should watch it together. Yeah. But um, yeah, and then I can't remember if it was last year or earlier this year, but you said to me, you should read these books. And I will literally read it. Now, as an adult, I will read anything. As a kid, it was all about Harry Potter. But now, anything, I will read it. And you said, you want to read them? And I said, yes. And then I just loved them. And I was actually really sad that I'd not read them as a kid. Because, like, what you were just saying about Lyra growing up, I kind of wished that I'd had that. Because, like, Harry Potter's amazing. And it's got, like, Hermione. I'll always look up to Hermione and I admire that character. It changed my life so much. But still, the title character is a boy. So it would have been nice to have it as a girl being the title character yeah. of, of a book rather than a boy. Um, so yeah, it did make me quite sad that I'd not read them as a kid. But yeah. I'm coming into them now. Also, that brings me to the point, Rach knows literally every single thing about these books. I read them once and I <laughs> read so quick. Don't, don't make me out to be some kind of an oracle. I have, yeah, it's been a while since I've done a proper reread. So this is... Yeah, but I read so dive. quick that I, this doing it this way and doing it a chapter at a time and like making notes on the chapter yeah. and then talking about it is actually really good for me because I read so quick that sometimes I can skim and mm. miss bits. Or it's, I'm really bad actually because I read a lot of Stephen King. Love him, but... He can go off on massive tangents and like he'll take like five or six pages to describe like one setting and you find yourself just like, oh my God, when will this end? Um, And so I've kind of learned to skim over that stuff that I'm not bothered about. And sometimes I switch off, but I'm still reading. 100%. I accidentally train myself into getting sleepy when I read. So like I just read before bed, like every single night. And then at uni, I was doing reading in the daytime and realized that I just like, conditioned myself like a Pavlov's dogs <laughs> like just whenever I was like halfway down a page I'd be like oh I could just have a really nice nap right now and I had to like train myself back out of it because like I want to get more than five pages into a book before falling asleep but it's yeah. really difficult <laughs> it is hard like and I think I use reading to switch off as well 
Um, but sometimes it makes me sleepy. I can't, I do read before I go to bed because I think that if you spend like all day at work or whatever, or like looking at your phone or like being social and we're both quite introverted people and that's quite hard. Um, mm. so I think like getting into bed and like reading a chapter of a book is such a nice way to like make your brain switch off, especially like if you have things like anxiety, it can really help. Cause like if you're looking at your phone before bed and then you go to sleep, you're thinking about everything that you've just seen. And, oh, 100%. And you might be thinking about work and like, oh God, I've got to get up and go to work tomorrow. But also and- like there's no, like the chapter doesn't finish when you're scrolling through your phone. Yeah. And you can like look up and it's like midnight. Whereas like if you're reading a book, either like me, you get sleepy and you fall asleep. And like the amount of times that my boyfriend's rolled over in bed and just been like, you've just dropped your book down your face. Like, <laughs> I, he'll just hear a third and I've like dropped my book on the floor or on my own face or something. So I've just fallen asleep reading. But like, I don't know, it's just, it's so much nicer than like being on your phone before bed and like, you just, it's a nicer way of finishing the day. And if you are like not sleepy when you're reading, there is a chapter that finishes and you go, oh, that chapter's done. I'll put it down. I'm going to choose to go to sleep. Whereas like, if you're scrolling on your phone, you kind of put it down out of being like, oh crap, it's like midnight. When did that yeah. happen? Got to switch this off. And then you can't wind down. Again. Yeah. Like, and my eyes calm. hurt because I've been looking at this bright screen for like an hour. Ow. Yeah. And now I can't sleep. I wonder why. But yeah. I mean, I mean, I still do that from time to time. Like sometimes I don't, I, I can't be bothered to read a chapter. So I'll pick up my phone and then I'm like, why am I doing this? No, I can't sleep. Should we launch into chapter one? I Is think that we what should. we want to do? I we think chat we a little do. bit about Lyra, but maybe it's time to meet her (laughs) yeah yeah let's talk about chapter one okay so first off how the hell do you pronounce Tokay? 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 (laughs) i read it as Tokay. i have no idea if that's right but this is another thing about me as well is that because i skim i miss uh, if say if there's a word that i can't don't know how to pronounce like names especially in this book with names. oh god so many names in this book oh that we god. will definitely pronounce like so differently to however you've been reading them in your head at home <laughs> yeah also truly sorry about that but i, I just i can't with it but I, yeah i and there's words just like even normal words as well like that i don't know like instead of being like hmm what is this word should i look it up i'm just i just like skim over it so like in my head when i see a name that i can't pronounce i just like Meh, skim over it. So mm-hmm. I said I thought that was Turkey and I didn't even think about it to be honest. I was just yeah. like, is that it? Okay, I'm just gonna do it like that. hundred percent. Doesn't even matter how it's spelled in my head. I just read it as Tukai, <laughs> but I don't know why. It's not even spelled that way. There's no hints to say that it should be. <laughs> but that's just and my head's gonna do that like I mean there's a just the word demon has like so many people pronounce it so many different ways and there is a note in the beginning of the book that says demon spelled d-a-e-m-o-n and the little a and the e all smushed together yeah is pronounced like the word demon in english i read that doesn't matter every time i read the book as i'm reading the word demon i'm like demon (laughs) i i am so glad it says that in the beginning of the book i feel like phil really did me a solid by doing that because I was like yes okay it's demon cool I'm in otherwise I would have been pronouncing it like Damon which then makes me think of Damon's the restaurant in Sheffield which (laughs) (laughs) that's the name of a restaurant in Sheffield it's not actually in Sheffield I can't it's somewhere near um and it made me think of that and they do like a really good onion loaf like onion ring loaf it's amazing I've not been since I was a kid but I used to go for my sister's birthday like every year 
And now everyone, every time someone talks about demons, you're like, oh, there's onion loaves. Yeah. So good. So good. <laughs> I, I need to go back. We should go if you've not been. Brilliant. <laughs> So I'm sorry. Topic. I'm sorry that I went so off topic. Uh, what I was going to say as well before we actually start reading through the chapter is, what are your feelings on Golden Compass versus Northern Lights? The different titles for the book. I genuinely don't know why there's a different title for the American release. It's not. It's not like a word that means something different in the states, particularly unless they. I genuinely don't know. Like, yeah, there's no real reason unless they're just not particular. Like, maybe there was another novel that came out around a similar time that had the same title, but it was like a US release. I don't. I, if anyone knows, like, write write in and tell us why it's the Golden Compass yeah, instead of yeah, uh, Northern Lights. Email address herdarkmaterialspod at gmail dot com. Please tell us. Um, yeah, it annoys me, and like it annoyed me again. It made me think of Harry Potter, but it annoyed me with the philosopher's stone, sorcerer's stone thing. I don't know why that happened. I feel like I've looked that up before, but I can't remember. Yeah. Um, it just annoys me. It's like, why are you changing names? Like, are I, we... I don't think the Northern Lights is an Englishism. Like, I don't know if everywhere else in the world they do just call it Aurora Borealis. Mm, maybe, yeah. but like, I can't see that being but a it's thing. still words that you can understand right oh, yeah. like you, there are loads of books that i pick up and i think what the hell does that title mean and um you just think oh but i'll read it anyway it doesn't yeah. really matter like, at a certain point in the book it's gonna reach a bit where it explains what yeah. the title's about yeah or like and, there'll be a moment where you're like oh that's why the book's called this yeah and uh, yeah. it's just like do we are they just assuming that like Americans like won't understand it? That's what annoys me, I think. It's like with Harry Potter, the Americans know what a philosopher is, or they know the word philosophy, so like why change it to sorcerer? And I feel the same way about this as well. Like, it just really annoyed me. I was like, why are you changing the name? Yeah. There's there's a deep dive on Google there somewhere to like read some yeah. something. There's 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 an answer. I just have not Googled it. <laughs> what I did Google is what Tokay, Tokai, Tokay is Tokay. I'm gonna say Tokay. Apparently, I mean, this is literally just pulled off of Wikipedia. It is a kind of Hungarian wine, which is golden in colour and sweet in taste. In fairness, it does say that in this chapter. Yeah, it does yeah. say that it's a golden liquid, but yeah. I just genuinely was like in my head. I don't even know what it was supposed to be, but like, yeah. Does it say wine or did I just assume it's wine because it says decanter? Like, I don't know if I've just like... You read that as a grown-up as well. Like, as a kid reading that, I was like, what's a decanter? Yeah, what the fuck is that? Like, old enough or fancy (laughs) enough to know what that is. Uh, But yeah, I think I kind of, I I understood that it was some kind of grown-up drink. I mean, not that I use a decanter. I mean, I buy like bottles of wine that are like fiver from Tesco, so... But I've seen one. Yeah. (laughs) And I know what one is, but I've never used one. We haven't done, actually said, this is the chapter where this stuff happens. So, just in case you were confused, this is chapter one. In this chapter... We meet Lyra and her talking animal friend, Pan, and learn that every human seems to have their own talking animal pal. And basically, a bunch of men are planning to meet in a stuffy old room to talk about whatever important men talk about. And of course, our girl Lyra sneaks in. We meet the mysterious lord slash uncle, Azriel. Is it Azriel? Or is it Azriel? Azriel. Azriel. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Cleared that up. Who nearly gets poisoned but it's saved by Lyra. You're welcome. 
And we're left with Lyra hiding in a wardrobe and some kind of mysterious presentation about to take place. Mm. So yeah, we were a bit scatty there, but I hope that clears it up because we've not actually started the chapter. So yeah, boom. we're too busy talking about what the heck Takai is and how you <laughs> pronounce demon, <laughs> which we've, I think, it's Takai. It's, it's not Takai, but I want to say Takai. It's Takai, all right. So yeah, I guess like this first couple of pages, we're just really getting to know Lyra. Like she's sneaking through the halls of uh, of Jordan. I think we know that she's in Jordan at this point. Yeah, so I suppose the first line is says Lyra and her demon and then immediately we're like, well, what's a demon? And yeah. it doesn't actually tell you in this chapter. No. So we can just assume that it's a talking animal for now. We literally yeah. know nothing else about it. We don't yeah. know where that's going to go. Like, we know that he says he's currently in the form of a moth, but, like, I don't. we don't know what that Ew. means. Right? Oh. I mean, yeah, you're not a fan of moths. Ew. So. <laughs> I hate moths so much. I didn't used to hate moths, and then my boyfriend is terrified of them, and I kind of just caught the phobia from him, and there was once a, moth, a massive moth in our flat, and, oh, my God, it was horrendous. Awful. So awful you times. would not pick a moth to be your demon? Mm-mm. No, <laughs> never, never a moth. But good for stealthy, like secret missions to hide away in rooms yeah. that you're not allowed to go into. Yeah, if you want to be like a cheeky. True. Kid. I I wrote down that um like the first bit she seems to be in like a great hall with long tables, and then I was like, oh my god, it's like Harry Potter, and I just need to stop thinking about Harry Potter. Clearly, <laughs> so like. Johnny's friend, he went to Cambridge um, and did like his PhD there. And like one time we got invited to, the, they have these like banquets, I guess, for like PhD students and fancy folks that go there. Wow. And it was literally like, so this one was like superhero themed and had everyone was dressed like superheroes. So it wasn't quite fancy robes and stuff, but apparently they have really formal ones where it's only people that are there and you have to wear your robes. robes. And they just get like... And you pay like a fiver, you get fed this like massive, amazing meal, and it's all on these like long Harry Potterish tables in this like proper old like Cambridge building. And I imagine it's probably quite similar in Oxford. God, that but, is like another world. The fancy educational type. Imagine learning <laughs> robes, right? <laughs> oh my god, I kind of want some. I think I'd just use it as like oh, a dressing gown or something. I just remember finding them really like awkward to wear for my like graduation. Oh, yeah. You know, like you put on your like nice dress, you're like, oh, I'm going to graduate. And then you like throw on this like massive yeah. robey thing. It's probably been worn by like 10 other people and has like a rip in the pocket. <laughs> and you're like, oh. Yeah, yeah, I didn't go to my graduation. I was in America loving life. My uh, mum was very upset. If you could choose. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, yeah, my mum was very, very upset about this, but you know, whatever. It was my graduation. <laughs> I didn't want to be there. <laughs> Instead, America. Why not? So I wrote that we're like kind of getting a lot of clues as to like where they are because we don't really know that yet in like mm. the first like couple of pages. And I wrote that there's like loads of portraits of former masters and on the walls and it made me feel a bit weird. And I was like, do you reckon there are any women up there? And I can assume probably not. 100% not. Just this whole thing of Lyra is like sneaking through the Great Hall to get into this room called the Retiring Room. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it literally says in the book, just if we had a patriarchy jingle like Buffering the Vampire Slayer, I would play it right now. <laughs> because I'm just going to read you like a little bit about the Retiring Room. Please do. 
So she'd lived for most of her life in the college, but had never seen the retiring room before. Only scholars and their guests were allowed in, the, in here. Never females. Even the maidservants didn't clean in here. It was the butler's job alone. Oh my God. Basically like, no girls allowed. This is where we're stuffy old men and we're going to like drink our drinks and make important decisions. And just That is some bullshit. Some fucking bullshit. <laughs> Honestly, I read that and I was just like, what the fuck is this? And also... Well, even the women aren't allowed to clean in there. I know. What are you doing? And the fact that he uses the word females, just really like, it's such a weird term to use. It's very like exclusionary. Yeah. <laughs> and just like, like, ooh, females, we're so scared of them. And it's just like, oh, get a fucking grip. Yeah, yeah. I really do not like that at all. Just um, the concept of like it's this whole thing of like after a big dinner, um, even if the women are present, like the men retire into their own private space and the ladies stay outside and listen to each other play piano. It's so old fashioned and like stuffy and like just gross. Yeah. Do we know like obviously we don't know from this first chapter. Um, and this might be a bit of a spoilery question, so feel free not to answer it. But do we know, like, what year it's supposed to be in? There's some clues, but I, I genuinely don't know. I have always pictured it as kind of Victorian-esque kind mm, of thing. So, yeah. like, there's some stuff um, later on in the chapter. We have a reference to ambaric light. Yeah. I have not Googled that word, but I assume... Yes, that was the one that I skipped over. <laughs> was it? Cool, yeah, like, it's yeah. like, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I think it's like an equivalent-ish to electricity. So I think, and there's like some references and stuff that kind of seat it in an era. So when she goes into the um, retiring room and it's, you know, there's like a large room with an oval table of polished rosewood. And it's all this kind of like, I'm imagining... Like when you go like round a stately home to like yeah uh, with the National Trust, <laughs> um, and there's like the idea of this like libraryish room with like wood paneling and um, all these like old armchairs and stuff. Like, yeah, I'm imagining it quite old fashioned. Yeah, and all that stuff that you just mentioned. My note on that was, wow, it's posh. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> it's super posh. Yeah, it sounds posh. Mahogany and velvet is what I actually wrote. <laughs> Ooey. Ooey. <laughs> I also, it says, I think when they're still in the hall, before they go into the retiring room, that Lyra flicks the master's glass and it makes like a noise Mm -hmm. and Pam like shits himself. And it immediately made me think of the master from Buffy. Every time they talk about the master, I'm picturing season one bad guy, like old fruit punch mouth. Fruit punch mouth. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to struggle with every time they refer to someone as the master. Yeah, definitely. But that bit as well, it made me, it's kind of like, because she flicks that glass and she really doesn't care. And it's kind of like the first hint that we get that she's maybe a bit of a badass. Yeah, like quite reckless. Yeah. And that Pan's a little bit cowardly. Yeah. Or like more wary than she is. Yeah. So Pan, full name, Pantalemo, is that right? Pantalemo and Pantalemo. Oh my God. Pan. (laughs) Just say Pan. (laughs) And it can be shortened. (laughs) Yeah. Oh god! I suspect so as well with this new TV show that's coming out. I suspect we're going to hear all sorts of pronunciations yeah. going on. Yeah. Just for, like who knows? Maybe we'll get some things confirmed for us. Like hopefully, we'll find out. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, we've had the only scholars allowed, no females. Ew. Also classic. Lyra's like, oh, they do well for themselves, don't they, Pan? When she notices a basket of poppy heads on the side. What are poppy heads? And pe- do people eat them? 
I think it's a reference to opium usage. Oh. So... They're high. Talking about like, well, this is what I'm thinking. Like, so there's also like a sm- a smoking rack with like so, like pipes and yeah. or, like the smoking paraphernalia, crack pipes with the well, with the basket <laughs> of poppy heads nearby, and like opium usage in that kind of era, that like Victorian era, like the attitudes were really different. I did some googling. Oh my god, this some is like research. Literally, I've only googled things twice for this whole chapter. <laughs> this was my research, and it's just that like in that kind of Victorian era, there was like. The idea of like an opium den was essentially like a crack house, where it's like a very run down, like there was just addicts and like deadbeats and like the attitude was like, ugh, the scum of the earth or whatever. But then like Rude. the upper classes were like, when they did it, oh, it's just a little habit. Oh, it's just a little oh, habit for sure. the evenings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like there was some quite like big people of the time that had like quite serious laudanum addictions. And laudanum has like a 10% opium content. And it was kind of used and prescribed by doctors a bit like paracetamol and like aspirin and stuff. So like what, like pain relief? Yeah, essentially. Mm. So lots of people used it medically. And then like some of the quite big poets of the age, I think, had some little laudanum problems. But yeah, They're so all off their faces. Basically. It was kind of like the drug of the time. And I can imagine in Lyra's world, that kind of also helps me and my head to like seat it in like a time period. Yeah. If they're just like super casually smoking up poppies. Like that's that is where opium comes from, and that is like of that era. I yeah, guess. that's interesting because I mean I read that and I was just like, oh, what's that? And then just didn't Google I mean, it. <laughs> I was who like, knows? Cool. maybe they just like to like sprinkle poppy seeds on a bun and have that as a snack. Like maybe I'm judging, <laughs> and actually it's just for the poppy seeds as a like I mean, like sunflower seeds as a snack. But I I feel like we we it. can judge these men because they don't like women anywhere near them, so they've clearly got some issues. So yeah. I don't feel bad. <laughs> about passing judgment on whether they use drugs or yeah. not <laughs> but yeah that was that was always the way I read that it's just like well no obviously as a kid it went straight over my head but like yeah on more recent reads I was like are they all just going there and doing opium after they've had their dinner is that what's happening because <laughs> like eh, whatever makes sense <laughs> fair so they're in the retiring room they hear a noise they hide behind a chair yeah in the middle of the room yeah, the best worst hiding place ever. I know it actually says in the book that's shit, but clearly you would see her yeah. hiding there. I mean, um, that's maybe why Pan's such a good buddy, because at least he's small enough to hide anywhere and be like a lookout and be like, Lyra, move to the left, he's going to see you. Yeah, but he could have been like a ladybird. He didn't have to be a moth. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Decisions aside. But yeah, like, they also just, if I was trying to hide behind that chair, I would 100% get the giggles. I'm really bad at hiding. I'm also terrible at hiding, but I always need to pee. So, like, when I used to play, like, hide-and-seek or whatever as a kid, I I would hide somewhere and then immediately need a wee. Or a nervous poo sometimes. But, yeah, apparently Lyra's a really good hider. (laughs) (laughs) Because she neither laughs nor needs to pee, which is pretty lucky, because she's apparently going to be stuck in this room for a little while yet. (laughs) Yeah. And I was interested in, because it says that the master comes in, and then it's talking about servants, which makes me feel uncomfortable, just like servants in general, that whole kind of yeah. servant butler thing, especially because like later in the chapter, we see like Lord Azrael being a dick to one of them. And I'm just like, oh God, imagine being a human being and 
actually treating another person that way just because of like their status and they're supposed to serve you that honestly makes me feel sick like yeah. it's fucking vile it, again it kind of fits in the time period though because mm-hmm. like there's we're going to experience quite a lot of classism essentially yeah. that's going to run through this so i thought it was interesting that they say that all of the servants have dog demons yeah and obviously we still don't know what demons are but maybe it's a conversation for later but that's an interesting point essentially at this point we learn that your what your demon is says something about you in some way yeah. or that like it reflects you know maybe when you become a servant someone just hands you a dog we don't know at this point <laughs> but like <laughs> you just oh that'd be nice though, I mean, wouldn't it right i'd be down for that if you have to be a servant you get a dog that's yeah. like I, I maybe i would do it you know what i mean yeah it's, it is a weird one though like they do refer to it and there's a point later in the chapter where they say that um, servants of a higher status have a higher status dog. So, like, I think is it the one of the one of the male servants that runs through the, either the butler or the steward has mm. um, a red setter, which is better than another kind of Why dog. Why is that like, better though? Who's who's judging this? I don't know. <laughs> they're they're all good dogs, yeah, Bron. <laughs> they're all good doggers. How dare yeah. you? Yeah. So we learn that, and then the master he asks about Lord Asriel and then at this point we're kind of like well who's that because it's the first time we've heard mm. this name and the servant says that there's been no word from the Aerodoc either what the hell is that am I pronouncing it right Aerodoc I I would assume it's Aerodoc but yeah I do not I do not know yeah but I suspect that we could have some interesting aviation occurring yeah potential because that's what my assumption is Aerodoc is avi- yeah. aviation based but it's obviously not like a helipad, so we know we're not in the modern day. <laughs> true, very true. So then the master asks for the toke to be decanted. Mm-hmm. And one thing about the master is that we learn that he was once powerful, but now he's over 70. And I think it says, I can't remember the exact words, but it says something about him being old. And I'm like, can you not be powerful when you're old? Like, is that a thing? I mean, especially as a white man, he's probably going to continue to be powerful. And I think that in the way that this society appears to work. Yeah, and I I don't know if it's because, like, we're seeing it through Lyra's eyes. Like, she's kind of the narrator, really, isn't she? Yeah. And she might, that might be what she thinks as, well, we assume that Lyra's a child. We don't actually know that. But just from the language and stuff that we Mm. use, I think we can safely assume that she's a child. I think maybe it's through her eyes. Because when you're a kid and you see someone that's older than you, you're just like, well, they're almost dead. Like, So anyone that's old is like, yeah, well, they're done. Whatever. Mm. So maybe that's... You say, oh, they're just a granddad now, so who cares? Yeah, they're not powerful anymore. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, she's hearing them talk about this Lord Asriel. And um, basically the first description we get of Lord Asriel... Um, is that the visitor mentioned by the master, Lord Asriel, was her uncle, a man whom she admired and feared greatly. He was said to be involved in high politics and secret exploration, in distant warfare, and she never knew when he was going to appear. He was fierce, and if he caught her in here, she'd be severely punished, but she could put up with that. Ugh, there's so much to like unpack in that, I think. Yeah. <laughs> like, admired and feared. It's this whole thing of like... I kind of get it because she's, I mean, she's this little scrappy kid and she's got this mysterious uncle that apparently shows up from time to time. We get the impression from this that he's not a regular visitor. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the idea that 
he's not a warm presence or like, oh, she wants a big hug from him. She's yeah. like scared of him. Yeah. But he's doing these adventures. So it's like, wow. <laughs> yeah. And like, yeah. I think like later in the chapter, we, we kind of see like why she fears him. But I just think if he caught her, she'd be severely punished. It's, it just sounds really horrible. Like, I don't know how to explain it. It just, obviously it's supposed to like, I suppose, put a bit of dread in you about this character, which it definitely does. Mm. But then as as we go on in the chapter, I, I think that we kind of start to see like who Lord Azrael is and, and kind of what he's about. But it's just, ugh, it's just horrible, isn't it? It just makes me feel like icky and uncomfortable thinking about poor little Lyra and her horrible uncle. But then also that she's, well, she says that she'd put up with it. So, like, I think she's so excited by his adventures that he's this, like, intimidating character, but that isn't, like, so scary. She's, like, almost, like, getting caught and punished would be worth it in order to, like, find out what's going on, catch up, say hey, because he's this, like, cool character, like a, like a fairy tale character also yeah. that's going out on these adventures. Yeah, that's true. And I think it's also the second time that we kind of get a hint that she's a bit, like, she's tough. She's, like, resilient. She's quite badass. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, by basically saying that she's not bothered about getting punished. Also, it kind of makes me think, is she just used to it? I mean, at another point in the chapter, um, it says that the steward's beaten her twice for Ugh. being caught in places where she wasn't supposed to go. So you do get the impression that just, like, again, it sets it in that kind of era of, like, when it was just okay to, like, smack a kid because they'd misbehaved. Yeah. Like, yeah, obviously not cool, but it sets it in that time period very definitely as well. <laughs> true, very true. So, after we meet or hear about Lord Asriel, sorry, um, the master pours white powder into the decanter. Clearly poison. Yeah. Lyra picks up on that straight away. Very, like, classily folded up in a little white paper yeah, packet, right. which I enjoyed. I got confused about that because I was like, I just assumed that he'd just pour it out of another like cup or glass and it was like, he got a little white packet of powder. I was like, alright. Fair enough. Mm. Fair. Very stealthy. Where's he getting it from? That's another thing. Mm. Like, well, he probably got connections. Yeah. He's called the master. Like. <laughs> and he was powerful but now he's old. So he's probably still got his connections. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's probably saved it from when he was young and powerful. <laughs> So then Lyra and Pan, like, they have a bit of a back and forth. And we kind of can see that Lyra is the more reckless of the two. Um, yeah, and Pan wants to get out of there as yeah. soon as possible. Yeah, and he's the more logical one. Which is interesting and warrants a conversation that we can't have right now, because spoilers, but maybe we'll come back to it mm. at some point. Oh, definitely. Yeah, and it says that Lyra keeps, like, her ears open around the college. And she's quite clever because she kind of realises that something political is going on, even though she doesn't know what it is. And I just think that we don't know how old she is, but like she's a kid that's getting beaten by a servant. So you assume probably would assume that she's like 10, 11, 12, like yeah. we said earlier. And that just makes me think that she's really clever because I think when I was that age, I probably didn't even really know what like politics was, never mind to call something political. Mm. I feel like my best descriptor for Lyra will probably be precocious. <laughs> oh, word. I know, right? <laughs> but like, she's probably that kid that I totally thought I was as a kid that was like, not talking back at school, but like having a little bit more information or like trying to like keep up with the grown-ups rather than like do all the kid stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, like, 
I totally thought I was that kid. I was not that kid. <laughs> like, I was probably the most annoying child. But I think that's a Lyra as well. Like, I imagine she wants to hear what the grown-ups are talking about. And that's probably more interesting than what the yeah. other kids are talking about. Like, we don't even know if she has any friends yet. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. we'll find out. <laughs> that really also reminds me of the... So, Rachel and I have been watching Bob's Burgers recently. And it reminds me of the episode of Bob's Burgers where Tina wants to sit at the grown-ups table on Thanksgiving and yeah. Bob won't let her. She comes with a lot of lipstick on her face. Oh, I love Tina so much. <laughs> Not quite a Lyra character, but no. so close. She, she just lo- wants to be. She loves butts, so it's all good. <laughs> so we find out that they're potentially facing four hours stuck in a wardrobe. Absolutely not. I'd be straight out yeah. of there. I mean, much better hiding place than behind the chair in the middle of the room. Yeah, definitely. But I don't think I could do four hours, especially because I'd need a wee. Especially she's surrounded by like old robes, which yeah. she, she she's like, oh, maybe all of these are the masters. And he like wears them for special occasions and gets given them as gifts from other colleges. I was like, I love that she's just trying to work out what his outfit choices are. <laughs> It's so cute. And she's like, eh, I'll just sit on them. I'll just make myself like a nest in this wardrobe of all these like coats that I can sit on. I mean, in fairness, I do enjoy that she sits on them because it's just yeah. like a bit of a fuck you to your yeah. shitty robes. <laughs> I don't want anything to do with them. So Brilliant. I'll park my butt on them instead. Um, so Pan wants to leave. Lyra calls him a coward, which again is interesting. Um, but again, spoilers. Um, and then Lyra kind of like pan kind of like i suppose draws it out of her but lyra admits that it was a plan the whole time to kind of spy on what was going to happen in that room yeah she she didn't just want to look around yeah she always wanted to like find yeah. out what they talk about because like yeah it's one thing to go and like check out the velvet sofas and the poppies and yeah. another to be like what are they talking about yeah and i'm not sure if we've said this yet either but we we learned that they're gonna. I suppose there, there's something. Gonna, something's gonna happen in that room. So the master's gonna be there. Lord Azriel's gonna be there. There's some other scholars that are gonna be there, but we don't know what they're there for. So mm. she obviously wants to be there to to hear. I suppose what what they're gonna talk about. But witnesses and almost poisoning instead. And she sees exactly. the master put the white powder from his little white pouch. Yeah. Also, we get to find out that the master's demon is a raven. Yeah, which is cute. Because, yeah, before Lyra jumps in the wardrobe, he's, like, changing out his jacket for his fancy yeah. dinner jacket. Which, obviously, my head goes to. This raven loves to sit on his shoulder. Do demons poop? <laughs> I want to know. Because, if so, surely, like, maybe that's why he has so many robes in his wardrobe. Because his, like, little raven demon can't help her tiny little bowels. Maybe Aww, he's just constantly got, like, a little bird, bird poop down his back. Oh, maybe. Maybe. That's, that is an interesting point, though. Like... Yeah. Do they eat? Do they poop? Like what? Let's find out. What's their deal? Yeah. <laughs> what's their deal? Um, Aside from the fact that the master has just yeah picked out the nicest toque for Lord Asriel and then mixed some mystery powder into it. Yeah. And then Lyra's stubbornly deciding to stay in the cupboard, especially her hand is forced by the fact that somebody starts to come into the room. Yes. There's also, I think, maybe a tiny bit before that, that they say, like, a bunch of stuff that we don't understand. And I think in my first read, I kind of skipped over it because I was like, what the Mm. fuck is this? And I can't remember who says it, but somebody talks about there's rumours that the Tartars have invaded Muscovy and heading towards St. Petersburg, and they're going to take over West Europe. And I just put, what? (laughs) 
Brilliant. I am... I feel like a lot of that language will help to seat it in a time period as well. Yeah. Because I think that's all place names that some of which are still in use and some of which are like old place names. Yeah, that's Where they're true. referring to. Yeah. And it's then... definitely not like a, like part of our history time period, yeah. but like it's, it's using words from our history. So it kind of seats it in like in Europe mm-hmm. and like all this kind of stuff. Like we know that she's in, in a version of the world, a world that has that we know yeah Yeah. um but also with place names that sound familiar but unfamiliar yeah which is interesting Mm -hmm. so that i think that's quite nice for like seating us within a place yeah in a time true and then i made a funny little note to myself which i chuckled at which is uh lord asriel's prepping an expedition to lapland was he going to see santa oh maybe (laughs) cute (laughs) yeah that was my first thought when i saw lapland yeah yeah um and then I, I I I put that war like war seems to be like on everyone's minds, but we don't know why. So people seem to like be talking about war in this chapter and there's gonna be a war or there already is a war mm. and it's kind of like, well what what's happening? Why is there a war? Also, anything about war goes right over my head. I just I don't know why. I don't know why. I think as well, because it's mostly men. When I hear stories about women, like, in wars and stuff, I actually find that interesting. So maybe it's just that there's too many men. Too many straight white men, anyway. Yeah. Um, Yeah, and then, like you were saying, um, I wrote the butler comes in and he steals some of those leaves. Oh my god, yes. (laughs) Yes, you go, butler. butler. Yay. But he, like, kind of gets caught, because Lord Asriel comes in. But they kind of have a bit of a... A moment where, like... A bit of a face-off. Yeah, and it says something about Asriel noticing a bulge in his pocket, and I was like... (laughs) (laughs) Brilliant. Uh, Yeah, oh, we get, like, our first, like, proper description of Asriel in the flesh as well. um, Yeah. Which I totally put a little bookmark on. Oh, my God, I'd definitely write it down as well, but please go ahead about his description. Well, I can't find it now, so... Well, I put... (laughs) We learn that Azrael is tall. So I'm probably paraphrasing because this is mm-hmm. in my notes, not in the actual book. But we learn that he's tall with powerful shoulders, a fierce dark face, and eyes that flash and glitter with savage laughter. And I put, it sounds like a treat. And then I thought, he'd definitely be a top. <laughs> <laughs> definitely yes. a dom, but quite maybe a mean one. Like, I don't know if I'd be into that. No. Mm. I think it's, again, it's an interesting choice of words. She's. All of these descriptors could be like he could be tall, but like also have like this like welcoming vibe, yeah. or, like be jolly in some way. No, he, they're very like harsh words to describe him. You get the impression he's not someone to be crossed. Yeah, um, definitely. And I didn't like yeah. savage laughter. That kind of made me. It's quite manic, it's quite isn't it? Cruel sounding. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't want someone to laugh at me savagely. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's not. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't sound like he's laughing at anyone in a nice way. Um, yeah. We learn as well about his demon, um, and she is a snow leopard. Which is so cool. Yeah. Her name is Stel Maria. Stel Maria. That's a great name. Great name, great demon. So, like, that kind of warms me up to him a little bit because it's like, guys, you've got to be badass to have a snow leopard as your demon. Yeah. But then I, I think as well, like, if your demon is something quite big, and we're assuming now as well from this first chapter, humans seem to have demons and like everyone that we've met so far yeah Yeah. they've got one and they seem to be with them all the time Mm. so if you had like quite a big one 
like a snow leopard or an elephant or an elephant think how impractical that would be as well like think if you had a really big one like an elephant and then you lived in a one-bedroom flat in peckham like i do i mean i imagine (laughs) where would it go how would it get in the lift how would it it would not it'd have to go (laughs) upstairs but yeah like i I, i'm i'm sure we'll learn more about that but that that was my first thought yeah well this is interesting because he you kind of get the impression that maybe his demons are snow leopard because he's used to big wide adventurous spaces because when asriel's in the retiring room waiting for people to come out chilling with Stel maria mm-hmm. having a having a cup of coffee yeah that he so rudely demanded Ugh. um his movements were large and balanced like those of a wild animal and he seemed like he was held in a cage it was too small for it so like he's very much like i think he's not used to a room this small and yeah like stuffy kind of thing like him and Stel maria are probably much more used to like just being out in the wild mm. perhaps so you think maybe then his demon is i suppose a reflection of him as a person and like an outdoorsman yeah 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 yeah, yeah that's a good point but then it does like you're not gonna be outdoor forever do you know what i mean like it yeah. would it would get awkward like if you had to go in a small space and your demon's massive but then also it's clearly not a problem for him because he sounds pretty fancy yeah. i think he can, he can afford a space as big as he needs it to be yeah, and i also true. wonder if that has a bearing on what your demon could be i mean that's a conversation for a later date maybe yeah based on like how fancy you are yeah definitely um so you were saying that asriel and the butler they have like a bit of a back and forth and we learn that Azrael wants to show some projections and specimens to the scholars Yeah. Uh, when they get there. Um, and then we learn a lot of stuff about the steward and the butler and that there's a rivalry between Never. them. Just a casual bit of petty rivalry. Yeah, and I'm great. like, is that relevant at all? Like, will we ever hear about that again? It just seemed like a really, like, weird thing to put in there. Like, yeah. they could have easily just not had that in there. I like it as, like, because I guess, essentially, like, we're not, We've not got an omniscient narrator at this point. Like, the narrator is not from Lyra's point of view, but I think we only know what Lyra knows. Yeah. And I love that what Lyra knows is that the butler and the steward have a little rivalry. Because yeah. I imagine that's something that she's picked up on and she's a bit like, eh. Yeah, that is a good point, actually. It is yeah. something that as a kid you'd be like, hmm, these guys are rivaling, like rivals. Um, and you would definitely, like, I suppose, like, fix out that. As well, like you were saying earlier, that she clearly wants to, like, be with the adults and know that adult knowledge and that probably is a bit of like adult gossip that's going around the college that she knows so she's like yes i know this information yeah she's like oh, yeah the butler knows this information the steward doesn't have he's gonna hate it <laughs> the steward knows this stuff the butler doesn't know he's gonna hate it like she's probably just she's probably like waiting for an opportunity to like drop it into conversation that she knows the butler knows something the steward doesn't know by the way <laughs> <laughs> yeah did you know <laughs> so then Azriel is gonna <clears throat> drink the wine and at this point Lyra's still in the wardrobe watching and she sees that he's or I think he's he's maybe not about to drink it but he's pouring it out and then he picks it up and she shouts no and she runs out and knocks it out of his hand um and then the next bit is really horrible because this is a bit we were alluding to earlier he takes her arm and twists it and she's in a lot of pain yeah and that is just horrible he says it'll break her arm if she fights back like yeah it is harsh to say the least to say he's supposed to be her uncle 
And that she's, in theory, thinks he's great. Yeah. But also scary. Like, now we know why he's scary. Yeah, definitely. definitely. And I think, again, it should, this bit anyway shows that Lyra is definitely badass because she doesn't, like, whimper or cry. She just says that, well, she saved his life. Because like, she just did. She saved yeah. his life. And he's... Yeah, she manages to get her words out in time before he just, like, starts ignoring her, as yeah. adults tend to do. Yeah. Because yeah. I think if somebody had my arm in that much pain, I think... I don't think I'd be shouting back at him, do you know what I mean? Like, as a kid anyway. Oh, maybe definitely. now. Like, there's no indication that she's, like, crying at all. I think she's, no. she's like, gritting her teeth and, like, being stubborn right back at him, I think. Yeah. Which is nice. Yeah, definitely. Um, And then there's a knock on the door. And then Asriel tells her to get back in the wardrobe. Uh, which is interesting because I think that's... This is the first, I suppose, inkling that even though he just abused her, he's still got some kind of connection to her because he if he didn't he's give covering a, for her. Yeah, if, yeah. if he didn't give a shit about her, he would have just been like, Whoever's coming through that door, look who is here. Please make her go away. Please like punish her, whatever. But Yeah. He could be yeah, yeah, like this filthy child has yeah. snuck into this room and like, thanks for saving my life, but whatever, you're still gonna get punished. Whereas yeah, he is like um, kind of like gets her in cahoots with him as well. He's like, get in the wardrobe and then keep an eye on people. Yeah. Keep an eye on what the master's doing and tell me what's going down because he's going to look shifty when he realises that I didn't just die. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's interesting. So when I read that, he like words it in a weird way which made which confused me a little bit because he says, um, I think I wrote it down, if you can tell me something interesting about the master, I'll keep you from getting into more trouble. And I was like, yeah. does he want to know... Is he looking for her to find a specific thing in the master that he already knows? Or is he just like, tell me one, tell me one, like, random, interesting thing about the master? Then, <laughs> Did then... you know that in <laughs> yeah. five years ago, he got given a pet rabbit for his birthday? <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah, so that's interesting. But when, before that, when he tells her to get back into the wardrobe, he says that if she makes a sound, he'll make her wish she was dead. Like, Yeah, that is... Like, what is wrong with him? Like, uh, oh, it's, I don't like it. <laughs> I just don't like <laughs> I just it. Don't, I don't like it. Yeah. Well, there's, yeah, there's all sorts of things. Like, she doesn't dare meet his eyes. Like, he's got this, like, fury inside him. And it's he should be, like, thanks for saving my life. Yeah. But And also, he's an adult. Yeah. Dealing with a child. Like, he... Yeah. <laughs> calm down and get a grip. Yeah. Although we do, it, we do learn as well... Um, I think Lyra's kind of excited by the whole thing as well, though, because she's like, yeah. I'm in cahoots with my cool uncle that's scary but cool. Yeah. So, like... And that's, like, I suppose... Yeah. It's definitely... All of his actions are definitely very wrong, but I guess from Lyra's position, she's like, he didn't dog me in. Mm. He didn't hurt me too much. And he's asking me to spy for him, which I think is cool and exciting. Yeah, and I suppose, like, obviously not defending his horrendous actions in any way, but... We don't know what Lyra's life's been like before that. Like, we know that she's yeah. been punished a lot. I think it says that. Um, so, Yeah, we know she's of... been beaten at least twice by either the steward or the yeah. brother. So yeah. in terms of what she's used to, not that it makes it okay, maybe that's just a maybe normal... Maybe it's part of the course. Yeah, yeah, for her, which is obviously wrong in many ways. Um, and makes me a bit sad, but, mm, you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, she's hiding in the wardrobe. She is. And <laughs> what did I write down? Oh, he just casually makes it look like 
the poor porter, the elderly porter and his like oh, young yeah. assistant bringing in all Asriel's like heavy boxes and crates and stuff. He makes it look like he knocked the wine over. Yeah. And then like shouts the house down at him. Yeah. Like he could have just been like, oh, you've knocked it over. Don't worry. It's fine. Like, oh, silly, silly sausage. Like he's still gaslighting the guy and making him think he knocked something <laughs> over that he didn't. But he could be nicer about the whole thing. Whereas he's like, Rapper harsh about it. I think he just, like... Uh, well, I think all these men, apart from the, like, butlers that we've met so far, just, like, the master and Asriel, they clearly love power. Like, oh, yeah, that's their that's jam. They love a bit of power. Um, so I think that's just... That's him, like, showing that, I suppose. Which is fucking vile. Yeah. And we learn as well that Asriel's got his own servant called Thorold? Thorold? Thorold. 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 <laughs> <laughs> but we literally it kind of comes out of nowhere we literally don't find anything else about him it's no. like a throwaway one line because I think he brings in the projection equipment or something yeah and it's like oh yeah it's his own servant I'm like well why why hasn't he been there the whole time you kind of uh, I always think like when you think about like servants especially if he's travelled to the college with Azriel, that mm. he would kind of be by his side by his side sorry like where's where's he been probably like sorting out all of Asriel's he's probably been unloading the car or whatever <laughs> while Asriel's just like chilling drinking his coffee like this is the, he's doing all the dirty work like he's trying to, to like he's in another room like a little green room trying to set up the projector to make sure it works when he brings it in and he's yeah. like all the all the wires <laughs> oh god how do I do this <laughs> no, I think it's a gas lantern but yeah I mean <laughs> you same, know same deal it's like yeah, this microphone. <laughs> um so then I, we're getting towards the end now actually because the they set up the projector and they set it up so that Lyra can see it and obviously they've clear Asriel's clearly done that on purpose. He yeah. wants her to be able to see because she wonders that and I think it's yeah he just he wants her to see whatever's happening. Yeah, and I think he also wants her like he wants her to be able to see the master's face in whatever light source is being created there. So he's probably quite cleverly yeah. laid things out. I think. Yeah, definitely. And then so the master comes in. And does a little gasp. Um, probably because he's Azriel's there and he's alive, I, mean, I would imagine. Yeah, great acting from yeah. the master, surely. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then Azriel tells him to bring in his guests and that he's got something interesting to tell them. And then that's it. That it ends. Yeah, basically. Um, it's interesting. Um, oh, he also has like a little sly conversation with Stel Maria that we can't hear. So oh, like, yeah. Yeah, he does. Yeah. I wonder what they're chatting about. Just a little fly on the wall. A little moth on the wall. Oh, trying gosh. to like listen to their conversations. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. Um, and that's how Azrael finishes is, I've got something very interesting to show you. Mm-hmm. So we know he's got a projector and like one or two mystery boxes. Specimens, apparently. Spe- specimen cases. Which so, is an interesting word. Yeah, it's a very like old-timey exploration kind of vibe like specimen things yeah. he's obviously some kind of explorer if he's collecting specimens wherever he is yeah definitely it's exciting mm. but i suppose we'll find out more about that in the next chapter and see what he's got to show them and what it means yeah. and maybe we'll meet some new people too because i don't want to be stuck in that little room for too long i suspect next chapter I know next chapter. <laughs> Without spoilers, I think we're going to have a lot to unpick in terms of like random names, mm. random concepts, random like, men. Probably, I'm going to be googling a lot. Yeah, is all I'm thinking. So it's yeah. going to be interesting. But yeah, I mean, 
all in all, I think it's... What did we learn today? (laughs) (laughs) I think it's a solid, like, first chapter. A lot of books that I've read over the years, like, first chapters can be quite... Either quite boring or quite overwhelming. Like, lots of information or, like, not enough. It tries to, like, unpack the whole world for you in the first five minutes sometimes, which is not what they've done here. They've left us on the hook, like, yeah, what do we know? People have animal friends that can talk. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um... And apparently not just to them, because if Lyra could overhear that him and that Azriel and Stelmaria were having a conversation, we know that Lyra can kind of hear Stelmaria. Yeah, so it's not like Dr. Doolittle. <laughs> yeah, it's not I think Lyra can hear more animals than just than just Pan, yeah. perhaps. Yeah. I don't I don't know. I find that interesting. I as a kid I definitely read this and was just like, There's a world where you all have animal friends. Great. Yeah. And like that's kind of probably what hooked me in straight in that first chapter and the fact that it finishes on like a mystery like cliffhanger of like what's in the box what's he gonna show people yeah it's definitely exciting yeah and there's still so so much with it we don't know as a first chapter it's literally one situation with one set of characters so yeah. that's all we know at the minute which is an interesting way to start and i think that sometimes depending on what your like reading style is sometimes that can be off-putting like sometimes people want all that information in one go. Personally, I prefer it when you kind of get to know characters a bit more first, rather than just look like launching a bunch of people at you. Which I think is what they've done in this chapter, which is good. Yeah. Because realistically, I mean, we obviously meet some we meet servants and butlers as well. But in terms of like main characters, we've got Lyra as in humans. We've got Lyra. I mean, the master. We didn't really see that much of him, but no. he's a staple figure so far, and Azrael. And I think that's such a a good amount of people to like put into a chapter and not be overwhelmed by what's happening. Definitely. So we'll find out what happens in the next chapter in two weeks' time. Yeah. Mm. And what is the name of that chapter, Rach? Tell us. The idea of North. Ooh. Interesting. Conceptual. <laughs> Very. Yeah. So that's all for this chapter. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Her Dark Materials. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at HDMPod. And you can email us at herdartmaterialspod at gmail.com. And please do. I'm Faye, and when I'm not talking about Lyra and Pan, I'm probably writing. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Fayley, which is F-A-Y-E-L-E-Triple-Y. And if you want to read some of my blog posts, I'm on Medium at Faye.Ducker. I'm Rachel, and when I'm not here chatting to you lovely folks about demons and dust, I'm making designer toys, art and illustrations. And you can find me over on Instagram at rachmakes, or on Twitter at rach underscore makes. And I have a website where I sell like my cute toys and stuff that I make, which is rachmakes.co.uk. A huge thank you to Johnny Knott for his musical stylings and for help with navigating the scary tech stuff. We'll see you in two weeks' time. And don't forget, keep telling stories and all will be well. <laughs>